0: Welcome to Candy Bar Antler Boy, Boy. a series where I, Mike Rappin, discuss the Netflix original series Sweet Tooth with the one and only IRCB regular, Danny. Every week we'll be discussing one episode of the TV series and chatting about the comic of the same name by Jeff Lemire, originally published by Vertigo Comics. Now let's get into the show. Danny, welcome back. We're here to talk about Season 2, Episode 1, aka Episode 9, aka In Captivity, 57 minutes long. I'm going to tell people at the top, spoilers for Episode 9 of Sweet Tooth, Danny, How are you? How are you feeling? It's been so long since we recorded the first season of this because it's been so long since the last season came out. Yeah, Mike, uh, I'm doing very well. I'm very
1: excited to get back into this world. Um, I didn't realize how much I missed this show until I had more of this show to watch. So I'm very happy to be back. I'm very happy to be doing this. uh, And hopefully we can talk some stuff out because uh, I think there's definitely a lot to talk about here.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's. That's putting it very lightly, but I guess what we're gonna do for this new season, we're changing things up a little bit. I'm gonna give you a summary of what happened in this first episode, or all of the episodes, I guess. And again, spoiler warning: if you haven't seen it, you better go and watch at least episode nine, season two, episode one of Candy Bar and Their Boy. I mean, Sweet Tooth—that's what we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> go listen. Um, to so let's talk one. about. No, the-
1: you're right. Go listen to season one first. Yeah, go War listen show. to season
0: one of the show. Go watch at season one of the show. Make sure you've watched the latest episodes of Sweet Tooth. Um, But yeah, let me give a quick summary here. So in episode one uh, of season two, Gus is captured or we get a summary of what happened from the last season, dropping us right back where we left things. Gus was captured in the zoo, which has been taken over by General Abbott and his group, The Last Men. We meet all of the kids in the zoo and they're adorable as heck. It's it's quite perfect, honestly. Um, Gus and Wendy break out of their cell in the zoo to try to reach their mom, a.k.a. Amy, who's with Jep, even though we haven't seen either of them this episode outside of in the flashback. Gus has a one-on-one with Dr. Singh, where we're reminded that Gus has no belly button after Singh is put on high pressure by Abbott to, quote, find a cure in three days, which puts a very strong time pressure on this season. Meanwhile, Abbott seems to have no allies outside of his group, and we learn that perhaps 90% of humanity has been taken out by this strain of this mysterious virus that kind of has been Sorry for the pun plaguing the series. Um, and there's a quote doomsday strain that's been vir- that's been knocking people out beyond just this zoo area. And the episode ends with Bear, who we remember from last season, is like some independent girl teenager who's been part of this rebellious group that broke apart. Um, she's talking to Gus's mom, Birdie, on this GPS phone, and told and it and is told by Gus's mom that she needs to find a cassette tape. Um, in her childhood home, which is where Bear is at, where she found this GPS phone, and suddenly the last men show up thanks to the tracked GPS phone. Danny, this first episode is insane. I gotta know what you think of this because I've got notes and notes and notes. But man, oh man, what's going through your brain right now?
1: Well, a, a little inside baseball. Um, when I was putting together my notes and I came to see Mike's notes for for the show, I noticed that we wrote we roll a lot of the same things down. Uh, so I'm very glad yeah. to see we're kind of aligned there. Uh, but, yeah, first of all, did you watch the little three-minute recap of season one?
0: Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I watched it, and I basically wanted to cry. Yeah. Um, the entire, like, synopsis that they gave, I was like, oh, right, this bo- this show put me through the ringer last
1: season. <laughs> it, is, it is so well done. Like, of course, I recommend you watch season one, but if you're one of those people that are like, no, I'll just jump back into it, at least watch the recap. Because I think it, it will charge you emotionally, too, like, with everything that's going mm-hmm. on uh as as you mentioned i love seeing the kids all the little creatures i feel like we're seeing a little bit more detail now in a lot of the characters that we didn't get as oh, much yeah. uh last season uh they also we're seeing their personalities and, and their little quirks and how they're different uh and then of course uh oh, i hate i hate Abbott and the last man and this one just really shines a light on how how oh, how much I, I you should hate them as a as an antagonist mm-hmm um, uh, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, I've always been kind of in the middle with Dr. Singh. Uh, oh yeah. and, and I still, I don't know. I still don't know. I go back and forth on like, you know, uh, we'll, we'll get into it, but, uh, Roy, uh, so <laughs> like, you know, it, it, that, that really puts you in a tough spot with this, but really, really entertaining first episode. I'm glad we're back into this world uh and yeah i really enjoyed it and i just wanted to watch the second one right away which normally i'm not a big binger like i like to take my time with shows but for this one i definitely wanted more
0: yeah i uh i wrote down a couple of little quotes that i thought were nice like uh you know like some stories start at the beginning ours starts here i mean the narrator for this series is amazing like i noted this in my what was so good right like i forgot how solid the narration was on this season um or on the show in general right um it's it, it totally clicks it, it, this show isn't a western and we've got this voice that's very Western-y, but you're like no this is very like fatherly this is grandfatherly like someone is telling us a story here and I love that this show constantly reminds us that we're not getting the full picture and that's okay because you're telling you're getting this story mostly from Gus's perspective mm-hmm. um which is why it's so great to see scenes like all of the little kids coming together and like, Oh my God, my fucking heart almost exploded out of my chest when they started signing to each other. Uh And like, Gus is like, what are you doing? She's like, well, some of us choose to not speak. And some of us speak. So we just sign everything so that everyone knows what we're saying. I'm like, this is, this is what the future of humanity looks like. Yeah. It's in these kids. And I love them. I love every single one of them. They, none of them can do any wrong. Even the ones that are grumpy, they can't do anything wrong. They're perfect little children. And if any of them get hurt, I'm driving straight to California to Netflix's office, and I'm going to be banging down doors to figure out who made a decision to hurt any of these children. I'm just, Oh, it's so good. Like we, we meet these kids and I was just like, we must protect them at all costs. There's nothing better Mm -hmm. or more important than protecting all of these kids. Like Gus is important, but these kids, I love them. I love them so much.
1: I, I, as I was watching the first episode, I I tweeted out and I copied Jeff Lemire and Robert Downey Jr. Since they're both involved with the show, I was like, if anything yeah. ever happens to Bobby, I'm done with this show, and I want <laughs> you to know that. So, but yeah. but overall, yeah, all the kids. I think I, I I don't know for some reason Bobby is the one that I feel like he's the most defenseless. Uh, but he he's actually oh, yeah. kind of a badass in this first episode, right? He gets a he gets yeah. a lot of things done. Uh, and he kind of suffers a little bit of consequences for that. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I thought of, uh, I was thinking of when they were putting their little plan together, I could just picture, um, there's an episode of Rugrats where they kind of, uh, homage the great escape with a little song like, mm-hmm. you, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, and I was like, oh yes, this kid, they're going to get out and they're going to do something. Um, but it, it was heartbreaking to, to see the last man just tear apart the zoo. Like the reserve, that they oh my had, gosh! They had made that their home. They had decorated everything, and they were just like, like it doesn't even. It feels like they were they were in purpose, like purposely like they're just erasing their identity from that place because mm-hmm. that, that will give them strength, right? And and now they want them to know that they are they are being captive. Uh, I I hated that. I hated seeing the guys wash off. Like the things from the from the ceiling that the kids had written, like oh. this at home, like it, it just yeah. broke my heart. Uh, and this show has yeah. a lot of messages that you know you gotta you need to apply to the real world because a lot of these things are actually happening. Uh, but it, it's such a smart way to do it uh, with these relatable characters.
0: Yeah, the, the thing that that's really interesting about all of that is this season in particular, just this first episode, really, is showing how. <laughs> like how futile man is, right? Yes. Like, like man has only one thing in it is violence. That seems to be kind of like the, the core of the story right now. And these kids are just kids. They don't necessarily want to live that life. They just want to be a family and they just want to be children, you know? And yet, because of this virus that's happening, um, that is taking out all of humanity and not affecting any of the hybrids. Um, you know, humanity has been put into this, like into this corner where like they can only act vir- violently. And Abbott is the personification of that, right? This yeah. this dictator. I think we see I can't remember if it's episode one or episode two. So sorry if I'm getting a little bit ahead, but we see this flag that has like Abbott's oh, face yeah, on it. Yeah. That's like clearly this crazy like dictator thing. Mm-hmm. And like I never really saw him as a dictator in the comics, right? So that, to tap into that a little bit, um, I never saw him as a dictator in the comics. I saw him more as just like a general who was kind of leading this group of like 100 or 400 people. Um, and maybe that's that's a dictator, right? When humanity is 90% wiped out, like what percent of the population is that? It's, it's quite significant. Mm-hmm. But um, it's interesting to see that they're like kind of pivoting that The Last Men kind of faction to be more of this bigger, tyrannical, like military operation. Whereas I think in the original text of the comic, they're kind of just this ragtag group of, of extremely conservative folks are doing anything they can for their own survival because they're desperate um and that doesn't mean that we should necessarily be sympathetic towards them because obviously they are pretty horrific and there are plenty of people we even see that in uh in the show of people who are trying to survive and just regular people right like amy who manages to peacefully survive yep and her only problem is the freaking last men that are coming after her right like she actually has no problems in life she's able to feed her family she's able to survive she's able to take care of these kids And it's not until these last men show up who are so desperate for survival um, that anything actually becomes a problem. So, um, yeah, I I think it's really interesting to see how they're how they're kind of shifting the narrative to show like that these people, these remnants of humanity are actually the weaker ones um, because of their desperation. Yeah. Um, And like we in in most TV shows, right, like any this uh dystopian show like The Last of Us or Walking Dead, you kind of root for humanity and you understand their desperation. It almost becomes sympathetic. Whereas in this you're like, this is violence for violence sake. And that is not anything that I want to root for. Um especially with the kids yeah and how they're portrayed. I don't know. This show does a great job of that. I like how they're they're pivoting it.
1: And and they they look to the hybrids as an outlet. They don't have any There is nothing that has told them for certain that the hybrids are the cause of this virus. Now, we as the audience get a little bit more insight into that, but it's just that ignorance that they're, you know, applying to their their misguided solution. Uh, So Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. they're already doing bad things, but they're already doing bad things for even the wrong reason. So, like, it's just like bad on top of that. Um, I I do want to pull back a little bit uh, because I don't want to... I don't want to not talk about Alaska and uh, and Birdie, which is the opening sequence. Um, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. We which ended ended in such a such an action oriented way. For uh, first of all, I was like, "Lady, what are you doing all the way where?" You, I, I didn't realize it was Alaska until later in the in the when we see it yeah, in yeah, the, in yeah the episode. But I was like, "Why are you here by yourself? Like, how are you not dead?" Uh, I know, but but she's like, uh, "This is Birdie. She's exploring." Uh, you know, she's looking for something. I, the purple flower, or whatever this case may be. We we're learning more mm-hmm. about this purple flower and more about the work that she was doing in the lab. Uh, but that was a really in, intense opening sequence. I love that uh, when we when you find a, a boat in the middle of the ice, like a lot of things have done, like even aliens movies have done this, where there's a boat mm-hmm. in the middle of the ice, frozen, uh, and and she I think she finds what she's looking for, but then she get like she's on a wench tied in so she can get back upstairs and all of a sudden she gets pulled back and that was a really intense sequence that just kind of happened but it pays off not only with some really cool action shots kind of although I th- you might feel a little bit different about that sequence but uh but then we also see like some uh prints on the snow about mm. who, who pulled the the wench so she would go come back up and maybe somebody's kind of sabotaging her research um, what do you think about that?
0: Oh well, as uh, you know, I I think I've said it in a previous season of of this show, I have read all of the Jeff Lemire comics, so I kind of know what's going on here, um, to a certain extent. Like a lot of the stuff with the Alaska bit doesn't get really explored until much later in the series, um, which is in my mind, Jeff Lemire saying, ah, oh, maybe I got to figure how this story's going to end. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I I don't mean to I don't mean to um talk poorly about him. I'm sure that he had a Careful, clear you'll, story you'll going forward. Nick.
1: But... Uh, even though he's not even aware I don't want to
0: summon Nick to the show um but no it's it's interesting because like I know where this story is going from that perspective but I like the way that they're exploring it um and I don't want to you know spoil it for you Danny so I'll kind of leave it vague but I do like the way that they're exploring the mystery of this series right like there's clearly a supernatural thing going on we've got these hybrid kids and I think this the first season really paints it at this as this like oh it's a it's a you know natural evolution. It's got something to do with biology. It's got something to do with this virus. No one's really sure, and I think I like that this show is starting to pivot, which in the same way this is what the comic did, sort of to pivot more towards there is a mystical element to this, oh. um, and we'll we'll maybe talk a little bit more about this in later episodes. I would think, yeah. But I I like that there is that they're tr- starting to kind of give this what if weirdness about things, um, because that whole scene with her on the boat, you know, with Birdie on the boat was really interesting because. She's walking through this ship there's all these dead guys on this boat right these skeletons and she comes across one guy who's got this massive flower embedded in his chest yeah this purple flower that we see we've seen in other places before um this purple flower but this is huge and he's holding on to this book that's written by Dr James Thacker um I, I and I think that this is we're gonna get more explanation on this later. Um, But I like that they're really trying to like tease out this mystical thing uh, because in the comic, it's kind of just like lore dumped on you. Um, And yeah, so I I like that Birdie gets a bit more of her story here because it's only explored in the comic and like flashbacks and weird things. So yeah, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Action sequences is interesting. And I like the significance of the, the deer hooves or hooves of some kind. Um, You know, it's, it's there because, you know, Gus is clearly important. Like he's clearly the main character of this. Um, and not, not just from the from the writing standpoint, but from a he's at the center of all of this. Right. Like Dr. Singh, I think, even remarks on the mm-hmm. fact that he can't believe that Gus is so old because he's like, no, no, no. The virus only showed up eight years ago. You can't be 10 years old. Right. right? Um, yeah. So I, I like that. And I think like, uh, yeah, there's there's probably more to be said there, but I don't want to like skip it over any more stuff in the in gotcha. Alaska unless you want to well, talk I- more I'm about it. I'm
1: glad you have the so when we were preparing for this season too, like. I mentioned that I hadn't really read the comic past volume one Uh because yeah. of the same reason, right? I didn't want, uh, I feel like you already have a different approach to looking at the show because you know a little bit more, but I think one advantage of an adaptation of something that's been finalized like this is that you can go back and maybe rearrange, like maybe Jeff, even Jeff Lemire was like, "Ah, oh, man, I wish I would have done this earlier to start planting some seeds. No pun intended with yeah. the flower stuff, but um <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. so so it's it's good i'm glad that creators get to revisit their work uh and you know we're getting a lot of adaptations for comics so this is something that we'll probably keep seeing um going forward uh you mm-hmm. you, you mentioned guys i want to discuss one thing that he there was one thing that he did in here that i don't know that i agree with his approach um, yeah go for it so when when Ghost goes back to with the with the rest of the kids, he goes to see Dr. Singh for a little bit, they they talk about some stuff, uh, and they kind of make a deal. But prior to that, they had already taken another one of the kids, Roy. Now, we as the audience know that Roy was um, for lack of better wording, used to make more of the antidote that that Dr. Singh can make for now, and he's not coming back. Uh now gus lies to the rest of the kids and tells them that he was able to escape and i kind of get like i kind of understand but i don't know it still feels weird mike how do you feel about that
0: yeah i i felt my stomach kind of turned in that moment because obviously you know um the other oh man i didn't write down the little girl's name uh the other little girl like knows what's going on right um and but when, when, so when Gus says, you know, like, oh, Roy, he, he escaped. Like, I went out there and, and it turns out that he escaped. This is Gus starting to unintentionally, I think, mm-hmm. fall into this leader position, right? Um, one of the moments that I wrote down later in the episode is Gus leaves again and he comes back and the kids are like, or maybe this is when he came back. Um, they said, Gus, you made it. And he says, Of course, I wouldn't leave without you guys. Yeah. 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 To me, this is like, this is Gus saying, like, I think, Uh, subconsciously stepping up into this leader Mm -hmm. position of saying i'm the oldest i have to take care of these kids because he is the oldest all of these kids are under the age of 10 which like i have to constantly remind myself of and i think like they've done a fantastic job of casting these little kids yeah um like we should maybe talk about that a little bit but um they've done they've done a great job of, of casting these little kids who are truly little kids who just like have they have really, really big emotions. And so they don't know how to handle it. And it takes them over, right? Like, when you and I are sad as adults, we maybe can like compartmentalize it a little bit, or we can put it off until you know, later, Mm, maybe. Um, Whereas these kids, they're feeling big sad, you know, all the time, and they don't know how to handle it. And so when a new kid shows up, and the new kid comes back and is able to say, Oh, yeah, I didn't get taken, you know, or I didn't escape. Mm -hmm. Like, He's inspiring hope in these kids. And it's a big hope. It's a big feeling for them. Yeah. And you can see it. And again, I think this is great writing. This is great direction in this episode. Gus being this reminder that like it's possible for us to survive and get out of this um, really lifts all of their spirits. You yeah. know, um, it, it, I just I don't know. I love that so much. It's such a wonderful moment for them.
1: Definitely. And and you did have Wendy. Wendy's the the little girl and you did have on the mm-hmm. note. So I that's her name. It. Wendy. Uh, yeah, thank you. So I, I, I think Wendy kind of also feels like she has to fill in the role because she was the first one that, you know, with, with Amy. And she's, mm-hmm, I guess, kind of mm-hmm. in, in terms of that, the oldest of the group when it comes to being part of, you know, being with mom. Uh, yeah. So but yeah, so she knows, right? She knows the truth. Uh, and and mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes Gus does things without thinking about the representation. Oh, yeah. Uh, which oh, yeah. uh, it's understandable <laughs> like you said they, these are ten year old and um, you know kids or even the younger uh so I don't know i i, I hope this doesn't come back to uh, bite him in the butt too much uh only because I don't want anything bad to ever happen to, to these children yeah uh, so. well
0: but this is this is this is the thing right like I think whether or not it comes back to bite him um this is kind of the problem with this show that I've noticed and maybe I was reminded. Is that they do these moments of like extreme, I don't want to say levity, but there's like this hope Mm -hmm. and then immediately like smack it down, back you down, back down to the ground. Right. Yeah. So like for every time something nice happens two minutes later, they'll be like, oh, by the way, the world is ending and these kids are all going to maybe die. And you're like, no, no, no. What? Why would you do that? Right. Um, and it's, and I only say that because it was like tonal shift happens mid-scene sometimes and you're like wow what like what whiplash for me as a viewer to be like i'm feeling good oh no i'm feeling bad again um yeah because especially when it comes to these kids because like the scenes with dr singh where he's like yeah i've got to do this awful thing and then he's like wait wait maybe there's hope maybe i'm finding out information that i actually need um but then he's reminded oh no they're gonna kill me and they're gonna kill my wife (laughs) you know so um yeah it's it's pretty crazy I, i i was really shocked at how Back and forth this episode was in particular yeah
1: no i i feel the same way because especially after i think after the sequence with the kids we go see um dr singh again uh maybe talk to his wife for a little bit and i looked up the name of the actors adil Akhtar. he's doing such a he's doing so much of the lifting Dude, for this show uh he's carrying it, it. In, incredible uh he's so good because he's in the worst spot right he's a captive of Abbott. he doesn't want to lose his wife, but he has no choice. And then he's the first one to find out the uh, how the how the uh, uh, the antidote has been made up until now. So now he also has to mm-hmm. live with that burden, uh, and and trying to find a better way, which hopefully that's what the season uh, eventually leads to. But but for now, we don't have a lot of choices. He's in a tough spot uh but i do love seeing that he can still find some solos in his wife like they they really hold each other up um Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. she's sick and and she relies a lot on him for for a lot of stuff but also i can tell that she helps him to make sure that he's at his best uh and you know as much as they can in their situation so i like their relationship a lot i i like that he snuck a little um like something for the, from their religion, so she could like have some sort of, sort of spiritual life still, even as a captive. Um, yeah, so all those all those little details the show's really good at. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it, so I I just love all that stuff. Uh, like, there's a lot of symbols in this in this show that mean a lot to people because, I guess, in a world where everything has gone to shit, you you kind of keep some keepsakes to remind you of better times. Um, yeah and and those things mean a lot and they carry a lot of weight in the show so i love seeing that uh which you know leads to talking about dogs showing up
0: (sighs) well okay let's 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 take a step back here because like we do need to maybe talk about like the ending where uh with bear slash becky talking to birdie up in in antarctica or in Antarctica in alaska um and this is like to me, like one of the most frustrating parts of television like this, where like two people are communicating and they're communicating so poorly. You're like, God, if you just knew how to speak the correct words, and it's not even words that are like out of the scope of their character. They're just like speaking in quarter sentences, not even half sentences of just being like, what are you, how are, and and then they cut to the other person and they're like not even responding to the questions. And they're both walking around like the most obvious things in the world that their character should be asking. Um, i love it and i hate it um and then of course you know birdie says oh find a cassette and then we get this fantastical thing that happens in every tv show that takes place in the near future where it's like what's a cassette again as she's like rifling through a hundred of them and i'm just like yeah she picks up a freaking vinyl that. record and she's that. like is this a cassette i was like shut up shut up with that <laughs> i love that uh. um And, you know, of course, like the bit with like, oh, it turns out that this thing's got a tracker in it. It's like, of course it freaking does. Like, how else is Bear's story going to move forward if she doesn't accidentally have to be pushed out of this place? Mm -hmm. You know, that she's found a moment, a moment of rest in. Um, And yeah, I don't know. I kind of expected the phone to be a thing a little bit longer in the in the season. Like Bear was maybe this connection to Birdie because clearly they need to somehow link the story up with birdie at some point like we need to some we got to get to alaska i think that's like the end game um but or or alaska's got to get back to them one way or the other, right right um so how are they going to continue this communication i don't know now because now the phone is broken that kind of frustrated me there's this stupid fight on the roof which like i guess is an interesting thing but it's kind of dumb because like this one guy goes up to the attic finds where bear is and then like everyone's like huh I guess there isn't another person here. It's like it's so stupid. I don't know. Um, but then we get that moment with uh, with uh, Judy, who has the flamethrower, and she's like, "Get off my property!" Yeah. And she blasts fire at all those guys. What a cool moment! She
1: got her uh, her her once upon a time in Hollywood moment when uh, Leo pulls out the flamethrower. That's all I could think of. Yeah, it was it was great too because like that is especially the way that scene was shot. Where you see parts of the flamethrower before you get the full reveal of like, oh, this lady's got a flamethrower, and then the door (laughs) door opens, the last men start coming in, like, no, you don't, punk. Uh yeah, that was that was great.
0: Again, like, how do you handle all these characters in a show? How does Bear get away? You know, like these are things that I'm sure a writer's room has to figure out, and they did. Um, I just like felt like there could have been a different way to handle that and still have Bear go off on her own way. Yeah. Um but I don't know. Bone broke. It's fine. Um, I don't know. Maybe this season's going to get accelerated. I wrote in my notes because I kind of know where this story is going. Right. Bear is a new character to the series, right? She wasn't in the comics. Oh, okay. um, so bear to me is kind of this linking thing. That's going to somehow bring in this extra element of stuff. That's going to make the puzzle of the story come together. Um, obviously she knows something. She needs to get this information to Gus, which means that she needs to somehow find Gus or she needs to find Jep, or she needs to find both. Um, and yeah, and then we get a little bit more in Antarctica. And the one moment that I wanted to point out was there was a little Jeff Lemire sketch on the wall um, when they were like panning through all the stuff that Birdie had. And I was like, that's a nice little Easter egg for yeah. dorks like me and you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the ending to me was a little frustrating with the dog thing. I don't know, because I was like, what the hell's going on? How do you right. not notice this giant willy dog in there? But go ahead, Danny. Go ahead, Danny.
1: No, I, I mean, I, I kind of felt the same way. Like how? You're just going to drop this here, literally drop it in, and and then just walk away and end the episode. That was an interesting, interesting place to end it because it's like, it's not really a cliffhanger because you don't, like, it means nothing without any of the context behind it. Uh sure. So uh, so it was an interesting choice. But, but then again, we had, like, this episode was pretty long uh, compared to every, like, the last season and then the yeah. rest of the episodes uh, in this season i think uh but it, it makes a lot of sense that we would have a little bit longer just to get back started get us back on track uh but yeah mm-hmm. that was great i I like the the fight on the roof i like that she had her little bear claw uh like, like oh, right, yeah, her yeah, yeah little yeah. thing because once again in in a post-apocalyptic world like you need stuff to defend yourself i don't know if that's the most practical thing but it's probably the one thing that she can carry around uh where like she could just have it on her at all times so um uh, mm-hmm. we'll see i i definitely want more about birdie because last season they left us with her picking up the phone and here we finally get a conversation that's not even a conversation uh, <laughs> yeah. i i know yeah. i know she can't be really trusting but i i don't know i feel like say something to say like i'm not a bad person but it, i guess that's also tough to do to, with a with a stranger over the phone in the end of the world yeah um uh, yeah so uh, but yeah, overall, I I really dug this first episode. It was nice to be back, uh, and then we yeah. end, we end with a little bit of narration, which feels like just uh, you know a warm hug. That that voice is so good. I that oh uh, yeah, the, these that person should be the narrator for everything and everywhere.
0: Yeah, I uh, I couldn't remember who who actually did the narration for this, um, and I remember yeah, James Brolin did it. Is the narrator right? He's an old old man. So he has got this perfect like, like deep, rich Southern accent? Yeah, almost like, like it's plastic. it's really it just yeah yeah it's it's perfect it's perfect. We need we need um, we need
1: to get uh we need to get him to uh, do a little like you're listening to the IRCB podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, how do I get him on cameo? Let me <laughs> yeah let me give right him a call. exactly. <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah, I guess I don't know. But to your point, Danny, like this episode. Uh, I think you marked it in our notes, like episode one and two actually work better together. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Netflix and their binge model, I think they want you to watch as many episodes as you can in a sitting. And I think watching one and two back to back is actually the way to do it. I know that's how you and I did it so that we could record our show and blah, blah, blah. Um, And so I was frustrated with the end of this episode. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you watch episode two and you go, okay, I guess it's not so bad. But if I just had watched episode one. I'd have been mad. <laughs> yeah, because I, w- I watched so, one and
1: then I watched the other one the next day. Uh, so oh, I was okay. frustrated up until I finished the second one for sure. So gotcha. We'll, t- gotcha. we'll talk about more more of that in the next uh, episode of our show.
0: For sure. For sure. Um, well, I guess to to wrap things up then, Danny, do you have any questions? I mean, like, I feel like for some reason I'm the lore master of this show. Um, so I guess, do you have questions that are still like rumbling in your head about where this show's going?
1: I'm trying to think of anything that would be non-spoilery that you don't. Okay. So I guess the one thing I will ask you is compared to the comic, how do you feel the pacing of the show? As far as the storytelling, I know they've, they switched around some things on you and I don't know. It's Mm -hmm. probably been a little while since you read the comic.
0: So I hate to put you on the spot, but that's why you're here. Uh. Yeah, no, I, it's interesting because I, I remember when I reread this series, I was surprised at how fast Gus goes from being with Big Man slash Jeff to being in this like jail, right? Because mm-hmm. the show is a little, the comic's a little different. He's not in like a, a zoo. It's a different thing. Yeah. Um, And, you know, the whole thing with Wendy and Amy and stuff, like it's just not not one to one. But I remember being surprised because, like, you forget how, like, much kids glom onto adults and how much they'll learn from adults after only spending a little bit of time with them. And in the comic, it's not really so clear how much time they spent together, like, Jepp and, and Gus spent together. Yeah. So, um, but it's implied that it's a it's a bit of time. And obviously, we saw that in season one, like, Gus is very much attached to this guy who is his now surrogate father. Yeah. And so like we see him trying to step up and do the right thing. Cause that's ultimately what Jep showed him is that even if you do, even if you've done wrong, you can still do the right thing. Um, uh, so I, I don't know. I, I think it's right now I'm trying to like, sep- I'm doing that thing that I think all comic book readers who watch adaptation should do. And I'm very much trying to separate things, okay. but like appreciating when I see parallels to the comics, um, you know, we're, we're getting a bit more of a, a drawn out story here with, um, Singh and, uh, with Abbott and everybody else. So like, I'm appreciating just extra details to a world that I already really loved. Um, But yeah, as far as pacing is concerned, I think we already had slowed down by with season one being like as slow as it was yeah. co- in, in comparison to the, the comic. Um, but I'm wondering now if they're going to speed things back up, because I feel like with how much they're hinting at like the bigger story that's going on here, I'm like, man, wh- how they can't just take a break. Otherwise we're going to feel like, like we're missing something. Yeah. So,
1: it feels like yeah. season one left us at the top of the roller coaster right before you start going down. And then now that we're in season totally. two,
0: like going pretty, pretty fast there. So, um, yeah. I mean, I, and if, if Sweet Tooth only ends up being three seasons, four seasons, that I one, we should thank our lucky stars that a show on Netflix was able to get the three or four seasons. Yeah, right. Um, but also, like, that would not be bad. Like four seasons of a show... Is not a bad way to tell a what six volume comic book story. Like I think that that's great. No, like you don't great. have to stretch this out. Like we don't need spinoffs. Just tell a cool story. We've got these. We got these really fun kids. We've got these really great adult actors. Like I, I don't know. I feel like this show is is firing all, on all cylinders. And like overall, I really liked what I've seen so far of this season. But mm. maybe I'm a little biased because I just I love the Sweet Tooth story. So
1: yeah. The only other thing I hope is that we get maybe a little bit more flashbacks because I love Will Forte in the role of yeah, <laughs> so yeah. maybe a few more flashbacks i think i think he still has i think gus still has a lot to reconcile with that relationship with him uh and yeah. then uh christian covenry who's who's gus like he is just amazing amazing actor yeah so I, i'm really like totally the, the show found some really talented people to tell the story and i'm very glad mm-hmm. that we're here so
0: yeah i i do want to note on one last thing i, I know i mentioned the kids we didn't really get into it too much but like can we talk about how perfect those child, act- these child actors are mm-hmm. for this show? Like, it's rare to find a show that actually delivers with child actors. And I feel like every single one of them did their part really, really well. Yeah. Like, the bit with the girl who just repeats people's voices and stuff That's was good. might be the funniest good. thing, even though it's, like, a tried-and-true bit. It was still very, very funny to yeah. me. Like, all the kids signing to each other, the little elephant kid, the poor little turtle kid. I mean, like, they did such a good job of, like, capturing children feeling big emotions i know i talked about that earlier but like yeah i don't know any any last thoughts have, i guess about those kids well
1: and the, the, the thing i will say is kudos to them because you can tell a lot of the the makeup they have is practical so just yeah. the fact that they have to have that on for i know they don't work as long as many hours as an adult would but still like having all mm-hmm. that on for so many hours or just sitting there for the time they would take to put on uh all that makeup so like you know kudos to them and mm-hmm. yeah great performances um I think I think I'm sure we'll talk more about all the kids for sure. Like as as the season goes by, because yeah. now they're a bigger part of the story. Uh, but yeah, Gus and Wendy as their kind of leaders, the fact that just because they know a little bit more, I think it's going to be a really interesting dynamic. And I look forward to seeing what each one of them kind of brings to the group because there's a reason that we went through the introduction of like kind of like their special skills, kind of right yeah, in yeah. this episode because I know this is kind of like a Chekhov's gun. Like you don't just show me that in the first deck and never use it again throughout the season. Yeah. So I, I'm
0: sure it'll <laughs> totally. come in
1: handy at some point.
0: Totally. Totally. Um, well, cool. I guess uh, I think that probably wraps up for this first episode. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening. If you did, you know, send us an email, send us a voicemail, IRCB at gmail.com. Maybe we can play you and get you roped in to have part of this conversation with me and Danny for future episodes. Um, But, you know, until next time, you know, you can follow us all on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We got a Discord. We got a Goodreads. We're on YouTube, pretty much everywhere on the Internet where you can find podcasts. Um, It's a fantastic place to be. Uh, You can support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash IRCB podcast to get access to all sorts of exclusive stuff like the IRCB Movie Club, Better Batmobile Season 2, Giant Days of Our Lives, our Giant Days reading series, Saga of Saga, where we cover every single issue of Saga issue by issue um, and so much more. Um, I want to say thank you to the Sam DS who did the IRCB candy bar logo. The music for this episode is beautiful CS by Robert Farmer. Thank you to Danny. Thank you to Kara for proof listening. Thank you to everyone out there listening. If you got this far in the episode, we love you. We love you. We love you until next time. Comics are good. And so are you.